This episode of the Talk Hard podcast is brought to you by Trailer Skips Tasmania and Full Bore Skip Bins. If you're doing a bit of work around the house and you've got large amounts of waste items from household waste, green waste, building or renovation waste or heavy waste items and your piles are becoming bigger than Ben-Hur, give Dern a call to organise your trailer skip or full bore skip bin today. Trailer skips use a unique design incorporating a skip bin built into a trailer for easy removal and tipping. Or if it's a normal skip bin you need, a full bore skip bin will be the one for you. You don't even have to pick it up or dump it yourself. Dern will deliver it for you and he'll take it away and dump it. How good's that? Give him a call today on 0409 801 635. Trailer skips and full bore skip bins. Don't go the half job, go the full bore. On this episode of the Talk Hard podcast, Jess Bennett. Most local listeners will know Jess as the happy, bubbly CFM morning presenter on the hugely successful Breakfast with Lee and Jess show. But few knew of a private battle that her and her young family had struggled through over the past 12 months until recently. Jess talks about her wonderful new baby news, her darkest times on the journey to extending her family, parenting, her love for a job and some insights into the industry, and also how her journey led her to her current role. Let's get stuck in. Jess Bennett, welcome to the Talk Hard podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now, as people, um, avid listeners to this podcast will know, we ask all the hard-hitting questions from right off the bat. So out of everything that you've achieved in your radio career, is this the highlight so far? <laughs> it's up there. Up? It's up there. This would be the first time that I've been interviewed in a very long time, like maybe since... I remember in high school doing an interview on the ABC for our high school production. Yeah. That would be the last time I was interviewed. <laughs> the tables have turned. maybe a job interview. Yeah. Yeah, so it's weird. I, I feel like I should be on that side of the mic. You'll be fine, Very I'm sure. Common. <laughs> if you start asking me questions, I'll yeah. have, to, have to pull you up. Yeah, just wind me up. <laughs> um, I feel like I should introduce you as Jess from CFM because that's what so many people would know you as. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people know your, your voice and I know that um, this is one of the first times that we've actually met in person, but I think myself, like a lot of people, feel like we know you because we hear you so often on the radio and because you and Lee are so visual out in the yeah. community. Do, do you get that from a lot of people? They feel yeah, like they know you? Yeah, we definitely do. We definitely do. And it's something that we probably pride ourselves on as well is being, we are the same people on air and off air. So we'd like to think that when we meet people and it's always funny when they might say, oh, you sound just like you do on the radio. <laughs> As though that, that's a big shock. Like yeah. we must put on a radio voice every yeah. day. And I'm sure there are some announcers out there that do, but we really pride ourselves on being ourselves on air. And yep. obviously there's guidelines and, and constraints that we have to work within. But this, yeah, that's that's me on the radio and off the radio. I'd, I'd like to think I'm always the same. So, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what attracts people to the show too because you guys are yourselves and, you know, that chemistry is so, yeah. so natural. Did, you guys didn't know each other before you started no. working together? No, we didn't. So we'd, we'd probably come across each other and we had lots of mutual friends, but no, we, we'd never actually met. Uh, so it was, what do we call it, an arranged marriage success story. But, <laughs> We were very lucky that yep. we that we hit it off because I'm sure there's so many situations where it doesn't work and you have to spend so much time with this person. Like the co-host relationship is so unique. We're in that studio together. Like he's the first person I speak to every morning. Yep. We speak to each other before we speak to our own kids and partners and family. Yeah. <laughs> so you vent to each other too, yeah, do you? Yeah, definitely. Like we, yep. see, we see each other at our best and at our absolute worst. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're really lucky that we just got along really well. Yeah. We can still have differences of opinions, but that also works on air and that's kind of encouraged on air that yep. we sometimes take the different stance on on issues and things which which we'll do and we'll have a little bit of an argument on air. But at the end of the day, yeah, we're really good mates. Yeah, yeah. I think it comes through. And anyone who, who listens to CFM would have um, would have heard your, um, you, you and Lee having a chat uh, about a week ago about your recent baby news. And I know mm. that that was one of the main reasons why you wanted to come on and have a little bit of a chat because it's a really important topic um, at the moment, um, mm-hmm. you know, particularly to a lot of mums and dads out there that are, that are looking to expand a family or looking to start a family and um, it, it was fantastic to, to hear someone speak up about it. And as I say, we, we will get to that um, down, the, down the track with this interview, but I think for a start, I just wanted to go back to the start for you and for anyone who's out there that wanted to get into radio, get a little bit of an idea of your journey into, mm-hmm. into radio. So yeah. did you, you grew up in Tasmania, is that right? Yes, I was born in Melbourne, but we yep. moved to Tassie when I was only really young. So yep. grew up just outside of Launceston in little old Perth. Yep. Uh, which was just kind of a country town back then. So I did all my schooling there. Then I moved back to Melbourne for a little bit when I turned 18 and didn't really last too long over there. I came back and, and Lonnie was pretty much home Yep. and literally moved to the coast for the job. So I got the job, moved to Devonport, and uh, and that was that, which is now seven years ago. Yep, mm. yep. So um, why didn't you last in Melbourne, do you think? What didn't you like about it? Oh, I was so young. I was yep. 18 and I just – I was – Super independent, but I probably just launched into it a bit too quick. Yep. But I was working. So my first ever job was in a record store in a, a CD store in Launceston, Wills Music. That yep. some people might remember. It was such a great little shop, yeah. and I still think to this day one of Australia's best it was iconic, independent wasn't record it? stores. Yeah, yep. it was so so great. And I got a job there when I was in grade ten, so I was fifteen, and ended up staying there for eight years, all up. Yep. So I lo- fell in love with the music industry, and I knew that that's. Uh, where I wanted to work and so I I went to Melbourne to study music business management at a a music academy over there so I finished year 12 and I thought there's nothing for me here (laughs) typical Tasmanian school student attitude sounds like my daughter yeah (laughs) yeah nowadays I think there is so much more for people here and I'm a a staunch sort of advocate for for Tassie but at the time I was like no I want to work in the music industry and, and I was aiming high so Went and did that and I loved it and I did really well over there. I came back one summer, so my course had finished, came back, fully intended to go back again, but I was still, I was only, yeah, probably 19. Yep. When I came home, went straight back to the record store to pick up some casual shifts over summer and someone left in that summer and the boss offered me a full-time job right. and I just took it. Yep. And I never went back to yep. Melbourne. Yep. Yeah, and I still loved it. That that job was just the best. It was such a great job. Yep. But I think because of that job, I never really considered radio because I was so involved in the recorded music side of things that I had no reason to ever turn the radio on. Yep. So I couldn't have told you for that whole eight years who our breakfast announcers were in Launceston, even the frequency of the local station. Okay. Because I just had recorded music at my fingertips and it was amazing. (laughs) We appreciated CDs and recorded music so much more back then to what we do now. And we consumed it in such a different way. So I just thought it was 
heaven. Like I could pick whatever CD I wanted and take it home and listen to it yeah. in the car. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all at your fingertips. I did, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I loved it so much. So it was a roundabout way, I sort of a few steps along the way that I ended up in radio. But Yeah. So obviously I, you, you did end up in radio yeah. and, and announcing. So how did that come about then? As you said, it was never on your radar. No, so obviously really something wasn't. must have popped up. I think towards the end of my time at Wills, I was thinking I can't make a career out of this. I was watching the industry die before my very eyes. Yep. And less and less people were buying CDs and we could see what was happening. And I probably didn't want to make a career out of retail forever, but I still did love that job. And I just thought, what what's next for me? So I started to go down the, the media path and my background at school was more in theatre as well. So I thought, we'll try for, for that. <laughs> what I could have done is just go and study journalism. But at the time yep. it was only on offer in Hobart, so in Launceston, you couldn't study that. So I ended up getting a job at the examiner working in their advertising department. Yep. Put myself through uni at the same time. Uh, and I can remember like selling ads for the newspaper in the library at uni. And <laughs> I worked and, and did both and got through that. And I remember asking the editor at the time at the examiner when I graduated. So the degree that I graduated with was a Bachelor of Arts majoring in political science and theatre, mm-hmm. which is the weirdest degree ever. <laughs> but it worked for me. And I tried to get a cadetship out of that uh, to get into kind of journalism side of things, but nothing really came about. So I had to apply for jobs. So I ended up getting one at C- City Prom, which was the Launceston Central City marketing body, Yep. working in marketing and promotions for them. And... From there, that sort of had a lot more of a media side of things. And we were run by a board. And the manager of the local radio station, LAFM in Chile at the time, was on our board. And after a year or so, he kind of poached me across to manage promotions for LA and Chile. So you were pretty good at your job then? Yeah, I yep. was, but I didn't like promotions and marketing. Okay. I, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I'd just fallen into it. And again, the only thing I was really good at along the way was kind of talking. I think yep. that's why I just talked my way into <laughs> Funny <things>. that. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't love what I was doing at all. And then I found my way into radio and gradually got more time on air, just little things here and there. And I just completely fell in love with it and yep. thought, this is this is me. I've found, I found my place. <laughs> so that first <laughs> time that you went on air, how did that feel? Was it something that was just sprung on you or was it something that you sort of talked your way into? Or? Yeah, I, I guess I knew it was going to be part of the job, but that was just doing live crosses to give away the prizes. So yep. I was the girl that drove around in the LAFM Roadrunner. Yep. But the more I did it, the more I loved it. And I got such a buzz out of it. It still made me nervous, but I did just love it. And I remember doing my first ever live interview was kind of a moment that I'll never forget when I really knew that it was what I wanted to do forever. Yep. And it was a cricket match, like a celebrity kind of cricket match at mm-hmm. Utah Stadium, which would have been Aurora Stadium Yes. back then. Yep. And I went out, so I was on site giving away freebies and whatever. And we'd organised for me to interview one of the players and then cross back to the studio. And that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. So the announcer was running late and he was meant to pre-record me, but he came to me down the line and said, we're running late and you're going to have to go live. Live, wow. He was terrified, <laughs> <laughs> thinking I'm about to put this girl live to air. Yeah. She's had no experience and she's going to interview one of the cricketers. Mm. And I did it and I nailed it. <laughs> I remember feeling such a buzz, crossed back to the studio and then off air, he came back to me and he said, what are you doing in promotions? We need to get you on air. Yep. 
And that was the first person that ever really kind of believed in me. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. And I'll never forget that. He's now a producer at Triple M Footy, I think, on the mainland and, and went on to do wow. really big things. Yep. But yeah, he was like the first one that, that believed in me and encouraged me. As yeah. a young person, I think sometimes it just takes that, doesn't it? That one person, have that sure. little bit of faith in you and yeah. suddenly you start to believe in yourself a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, exactly. Because you? You, you can see it in yourself, but you don't want to admit it and... You don't want to get shut down. Like if I put myself out there and said, you know, I think I'm good at this. I think I could do it. And someone turned around and said, nah, like I would have been shattered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, when he said that, I thought, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. And I I put the wheels in motion. And then I just begged and pleaded to get more time on air until a paid job came up. Yep. So you're just doing sort of bit parts here and there at LAFM. I was, And your first main gig was at CFM, is that right? Yep, Yep. it was. So I never did any paid announcing up there so yep. most announcers don't get their first on-air job in breakfast so I did know that I was pretty lucky yep but Launceston was home I was very entrenched in in Launceston life but I do remember when this job came up and my program director up there kind of took me aside and he said there's a job that's come up you'd be perfect I think you could get it but it's in Devonport I remember at that time just thinking zero hesitation just sign me up and i think that's why i said let's make it happen yep you knew it's what you wanted yeah yeah and it didn't even cross my mind that the fact i'd be moving away and leaving friends and family i just just went for it yep Hmm. excellent (laughs) so on to devonport and um meeting a guy called lee Mm. yep who you hit it off with instantly yeah we did so (laughs) i came down and did an audition with him and they had to kind of assess the chemistry on air between us wow that's a bit of pressure isn't yeah it? <laughs> it was it was really strange it's like speed dating. <laughs> it was literally <laughs> and they recorded that and I, I think a few other people did audition at the time but in the end lee kind of made that choice as to who yep. he felt most comfortable with and we were probably that little bit closer in age as well and yeah he felt that we could we could work together so i got the call a few days later and, and got the job yep excellent i thought i'd probably only last a year or so and, and the boss actually said that. He said, we'd love to get 18 months out of you and then you can go on to... And know, is that is that common, is it? It's a bit of a stepping stone a lot of the well, time for people, is it? kind of, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and if you want it to be, our company's really big on that, that they're big on, you know, you moving your way up. Right. So, yeah, seven years later, that, that went well. <laughs> you obviously love it. It comes out in of a morning when you're talking that's for sure yeah so just um speaking of a morning so just tell us through a take us through a typical morning for you so obviously you're up pretty early yes so the alarm goes off at 4 40 wow every morning which is very early i reckon um, even with kids that's early mm, yeah although i kind of miss i miss the morning rush like yep. i sneak off while everyone's still in bed ah, okay. and then yep. miss the chaos so yep. it's almost good in a way yep. andrew gets the hard gig he has to get daisy up and ready and and everyone off to school and, and start the day, whereas I'm already at work. But yep. yeah, it is early. We get to work about 5.30 and we're on air at 6. Yep. And we finish up about lunchtime. Yep. So it still is technically a full-time job, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it. Because when yeah. I knock off at lunchtime and everyone else has only been there a few hours, mm. I get the rest of the day. So I, I actually love the hours. Yep. Yeah. yeah. People you find that it. hard to believe. But it's great. You make it work for you, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. It can be challenging. Like this morning, Lee was on holidays and Andrew's away. So Daisy had to stay with my mum last night because otherwise I would have had to either drop her somewhere at five in the morning or get someone to come to our place at five in the morning. Yeah. It can be logistically challenging mm. at times, but we certainly make it work. The joys of motherhood, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit of a juggling act sometimes. Oh, it? it is. And add <laughs> another one in the mix, it could get completely hectic. <laughs> I'm sure you'll adapt fine. 
Um, so as far as um, you guys, your chemistry on air with your segments, some of them are just hilarious. Are they things that you just come up with on the spot or are they things that sometimes the producer comes in and says, oh, I've got a great idea, you guys oh, need to roll with most, this? Or? It's mostly us. I'll take the credit for us. Yep. <laughs> it is mostly us. Yep. But your brain is always in radio mode. So as soon as you hear something or someone says something or you overhear a comment in the supermarket or whatever, yep. you just store it away in your memory bank or I'll write it in my notes in my phone and think that would make great content. Yep. So we're always on the lookout for for something that will make great content yeah and yeah we just don't seem to struggle <laughs> i don't know why people say and do funny things all the time i was listening the other day there was a recording of someone blowing their nose mm. through a wall or something yeah, hilarious <laughs> <laughs> the most simple thing yeah. it gets people in though doesn't it it does yeah, yeah. and it, it is the most simple of topics that will get people talking and yep. we can do an hour on what people sound like blowing their nose yeah and i think i, I <laughs> have a 25 grand hex debt i went to uni for this yeah. <laughs> and here i am yeah. <laughs> talking nose blowing yeah exactly but it's the best people love it and people need that i think light-hearted side to their day it can't especially in the morning heavy. yeah yeah the newsroom takes care of the heavy stuff and and lately it's just so heavy the last couple of years have been full on so they need us to yeah. jump in with something stupid <laughs> yeah covid sort of slowed a few people up hasn't yeah it? got yeah. a few people down yeah for sure what, what would you say is the best part about your role Oh, I do love it all. I completely love it. Yep. It's it's hard to pick one thing. I still say I haven't worked a day in seven years because it's just not like a job. And I know I'm so lucky to be able to say that, but I think we're in a, a really powerful position to be able to do what we do and have that microphone there for four hours a day with total freedom to, well, mostly total freedom to do and say kind of whatever we want. Like that's, yep. that's something that is so powerful and it's, probably taken me to get that little bit more confident to use that to my advantage a bit more and and to cover off on some bigger topics and and try and make a difference but we get to give away lots of amazing prizes to people that deserve it and give out recognition where it's deserved and and that community aspect of it as well I really love excellent what about the challenges what would you say is the hardest part of your job the early mornings can be hard Mm. for sure but as I said I don't really mind it too much but We've probably noticed more within the last year or so that being positive and being up and about all the time can be can be hard mm. if you're going through stuff behind the scenes and as we all do. Yep. I don't think we could have done seven years together without both having a few hiccups in life that we've had to overcome and leaving that at the door of your workplace, of any workplace, I think is hard, but leaving it at the door at six in the morning and putting a big smile on your face and and having to be up and about and happy. It really does come very naturally to me, but that's been the biggest challenge in the past year when things haven't always gone to plan is, is yeah, constantly putting on that, that act. Yeah. Day in, day out. And I don't want to say it's an act because it is, it is me. It is natural, but it can be hard. It's putting it aside, isn't it? Yeah. 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 For your role. Does it take a lot of energy out of you at the end of it? Do you feel quite drained sometimes if you yeah. are feeling quite flat and you've got to pick yourself up? And yeah. It's like playing a game of sport <laughs> or something, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You do need a lot of energy to get through it, but it kind of works both ways. I've found that like laughter therapy, if you force yourself to just smile and, and be up and about mm. and, and pretend, 
it can actually have sort of cathartic powers and make you feel happy even yeah. when you're not. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how that can actually work. With you guys being so close, do you generally tell each other if you've had a shit day or a shit week or yeah, something like that? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do, okay. yeah. And we'll say it straight up first thing in the morning yep. or we'll send a message the night before <laughs> and just let people know, yeah, straight away what's what's going on. Yeah. So that we can have each other's back. And that's there's been times when that has happened for sure um, yep. along, along the journey, not just last week when we had our big conversation, but there's been plenty that, that has gone on over the years and... We've had to straight up say, right, this is happening. And if I need a moment, just, and we, we just get it. We yep. can read each other really well. And yep. I'd like to think no one's ever picked up on that. No, <laughs> I, yeah, I know I definitely haven't, but I'm not the most observant person. But I think you guys, yeah, you do a really good job of, of pushing those things aside and, you know, kicking the day off right for people, getting yeah. them up and about, don't yeah. you? You'd never pick up on it. No, that's right. But I mean, these days people really appreciate honesty as well. And not that they want to hear us say, oh, I feel like crap today, mm. but if we do have you know bigger things going on people are okay with hearing about that because that's that's real and and people don't mind that makes you more relatable doesn't it yeah it's like this is a real person it's not just yeah. a caricature that yes, talks to me exactly. through the radio yeah, yeah they've actually got a real life as well yeah. yeah yeah for sure so just speaking about that real life did you want to have a bit of a chat quickly just about your journey over the last 12 months or so yeah, so yep. we spoke about this on air last week when I did announce my my pregnancy which was mm-hmm all very happy and exciting and it is a wonderful news story but uh, along the journey we did lose a baby along the way mm-hmm. and that happened last year and I just decided that it was quite important for me after everything we'd been through that if I was going to announce my pregnancy on air I wanted to also acknowledge my own understanding of how hard it can be to yeah. extend a family or to start a family and I thought for such a long time about whether I wanted to speak on this topic on air and and now I'm just so glad that I did. So I've just been inundated with messages from from literally hundreds of, of women thanking me for speaking so honestly about something that impacts so many people. Yeah. Yeah. It was the hardest conversation we've ever had on air, but I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really hit home for a lot of people, I, I know for sure. And it's one of those things that I think it is important to speak out about it and you know I congratulate you on having the courage to talk to speak out about it because it is something that so many people go through but they go through silently and I think the more awareness that people have out in the community especially if they know someone that is trying to start a family or expand a family of just having that sensitivity because it's it's not like oh you'll be fine you know time for another one that's yeah exactly I I sort of know firsthand because of a a a couple our our closest friends have been through a similar journey themselves you know they've they've suffered loss and they've suffered setback and it take them took them quite a while to initially fall pregnant and yeah just how hard that must be and and I admit that I was initially ignorant to it because I was somebody who was I'm quite blessed in the fact that I've got three beautiful children who who came along very simply yeah Um, the last one was very premature but as far yeah. as falling falling pregnant was quite a simple process and yeah it's it's funny it's, it's only through watching them go through their journey mm-hmm. and and i take my hat off to them they're the, the strongest people that I'll, i've ever met um i don't know whether i could still i could keep it together the way that, that they did and, and they continue to you know they've yeah. got two beautiful girls now and and they're happy and i just remember um my friend saying to me that one of the hardest things that you can say to someone is oh just don't worry about it just go away on a holiday and you'll fall pregnant and I remember saying that to her and I just feel so terrible about that now obviously I I can't take it back and I know she wouldn't have held it against me but it's one of those things I didn't know and I I was actually trying to help 
but it doesn't help. It's probably yeah, one of exactly. the worst things. Yeah, it is, it's really hard. I think that's why it's important that we get those statistics out there. And, and the biggest one being that, that one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage, which is just st- such a big number. And mm. I was quite staggered when I learnt that. And um, we were the same. We took for granted that we fell pregnant fairly easily with Daisy. And actually, infertility and falling pregnant hasn't, hasn't really been a problem at all. Um, we seem to be fine at making babies, but last yep. year, of course, just learning what, what loss was like and we mm. had what was known as a, a missed miscarriage. So everything was going okay and, and I assumed it would continue that way. So it came as a huge shock. We, we had a heartbeat. We'd had our first scan. Things were fine and, and that's why I recorded on air our, our announcement with Lee. I was feeling really sick. Mm-hmm. So I thought I need to an example of what we were talking about before I need to bring him in and tell him what's going on so I recorded his reaction and we we kept that little piece of audio aside and and fully intended to play it back when I got to 12 weeks and I think doing that then I lost the baby at nine and a half weeks and never being able to play that piece of audio was something that I couldn't get off my mind it Mm. was just on my mind all the time and I didn't realize but it was also on Lee's as well yeah we, okay it was the elephant in the room this precious tiny piece of audio that we think nothing of recording a hundred pieces of audio a day and that important thing was was never going to be needed and we never spoke about it but then when we brought that up on air when I finally did have good news to share last week um I think it really hit home for both of us just yeah, just how difficult it had been. Yep. So I really only wasn't pregnant for about four months. It took us uh, again, and, and we were lucky to then fall pregnant again. But those four months were incredibly hard, and mm. no one knew no one knew that I was pregnant in the first place because yep. we were only nine and a half weeks. We hadn't yep. told anyone yet. So we had to announce a pregnancy and a loss at the same time in telling people, and that's why I just didn't because it – was just sad news and I felt like I was going to make people feel sad if I told them mm. and I couldn't I couldn't talk about it until I had like now now that I'm pregnant again and and I guess it's still so sad but there's that element of hope and and I've now got that happiness and and joy of knowing that things are this time going well I can talk about it without breaking down but for those few months there's no way I could have spoken I would would have just been a mess yeah so just, do you mind sort of taking us through those months? Like, obviously, you had to still come to work and you still had to, yeah. to front up. Like, firstly, when, when you do get that news, how, how does it feel in that moment that, you know, you're not going to be able to carry this baby full term? Yeah, it was, it was a real shock um, and so devastating because it was, yeah, Mr. Miscarriage is quite cruel. It, your body doesn't go into the same sort of labour-like situation that, that is what happens with a spontaneous miscarriage. So... We, in the end, had to find out at an emergency scan. So we just had a few concerns, but baby was growing quite small, but Daisy did too, so I thought everything was going to be fine. And um, we had that heartbeat, which is the thing that keeps you going. You just think everything's going to be okay once you hear that heartbeat. And then a week or so after that first scan, I had a few little concerns, and it was, yeah, at an emergency scan. And COVID restrictions were still quite quite full on back then so I had to go into that scan by myself and it was the radiographer that that did the scan and and had to confirm there was no more heartbeat and and that it was over yeah um 
and that was yeah I guess one of the worst days in my life and mm. I was by myself in the radiographer room and Andrew couldn't come in and I said what happens now and she didn't know and she had to go and call my doctor because without wanting to go into the gory details obviously something had to happen mm. um so she was gone for ages and I just remember being yeah all alone in this room and from there it got even worse I had to go to emergency so she said you'll have to head up to emergency it's likely that you're going to need surgery and had to walk up to emergency and they turned Andrew away there as well because it was too full and restrictions were still quite quite tight so I had to sit in this packed waiting room in emergency having just been given the worst news worst of my news. life yeah and wait and see what what was going to happen next and yeah, it was hard to recover from. Mm. Coming back from that was horrible and it took another few days before we did eventually have surgery and, and then I just had to contact work and tell them what had happened. And yeah, I took a fortnight off, uh, which was just, yeah, like sick leave or, or personal leave. And and then I thought I can't sit around forever. Like I physically started to recover and I had to just get on with it and yeah. go back to work. So we yeah. chose not to tell too many people and a big one there was I didn't want the pressure of people knowing that we were trying for another one. And we did decide straight away that that we would try again when we could. Yep. And I just didn't want people to know that in case it never worked out and I was just sad forever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that is a hard thing in, in the modern world with social media and things like that. It's sort of more of share everything about your life type world that we're in at the moment and i suppose the downside of that is that if you are telling people that you're trying or that you're falling yeah. pregnant and things like that then obviously if things don't go according to plan then you've got all those people to exactly to break the bad news yeah, too, haven't you? yeah that's right and i just i don't know how people do it and i feel for people who who lose their baby at a, an even later gestation when they when they've told people i just mm. yeah like it was hard enough at, at nine and a half weeks any any further along would just be so so heartbreaking and yeah it was tricky and I, I felt all sorts of emotions and I think I'm sure that this is what a lot of other women would feel as well like I felt guilty being happy I felt guilty going to work and putting this big smile on my face because I felt like that wasn't the right thing to do I should be sad I should still be grieving and I am still grieving mm. but putting on this big happy face and laughing and making jokes didn't feel like it was the right thing to do and I assumed that all of my family that did know must have just thought, oh, Jess is fine. She's bounced back really quickly. Mm. And I sort of didn't want that. At yep. the same time, I, I wanted people to know what I was dealing with, but I didn't. Yeah, it was a real mixture of emotions for a, a long time. I don't reckon there's any right way to feel. Everyone sort of goes on their own sort of yeah. journey with that. But yeah, exactly. I'd assume it's like any grieving. You go from, from one extreme to the next sometimes, don't you? To, yeah. Yeah, you've just got to push through it unfortunately yeah, you? yeah you do and I now look back and think like talking has helped me yep. so much yep. and now I realize perhaps I should have I should have talked to someone yeah. at the time because it was on my mind every hour of every day and it wasn't getting better yeah and until we were pregnant again and had some happiness to kind of replace some of the sadness uh it was only then that I could start talking about it had that gone on for longer I, I probably would have had to have done something because mm. it was yeah, it was just tearing me up inside every day. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, as I said, I congratulate you for, for speaking out about it. And it is one of those things that I think the more people that do speak out about it, the more it raises that awareness for people that, yeah. that are supporting people through that and, and, yeah. you know, and, and not being insensitive, I suppose. Not that it's on purpose, but obviously realising that, you know, it's not as, as clear cut 
as yeah. it seems as it yeah. seemed to used to be but then again it probably was the same back then but it just wasn't spoken about so. I think that's it yeah we're, we're really learning now the the power of, of actually speaking out and that goes for mm. so many aspects of of our mental health and well-being in in general that mm. you need to talk and and open up about these things because Absolutely. yeah living with your own thoughts can be really really quite damaging it's a scary place sometimes mm. isn't it yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah so obviously um on back on to your, your great news so when are you due so due in october fantastic so about the halfway mark now yep. which is exciting well yep. daisy was born at 36 weeks so we are yeah technically right on um <laughs> right on halfway hopefully we can go a bit longer this time yeah but yeah so i think that time will will go quite quickly yeah and how's daisy feel about being a big sister yeah she's excited yep. and that's just been so beautiful to watch and i think I was equally as sad for my own loss when I lost our last baby that I was for Daisy's loss and she didn't know, thankfully, but I was losing a child, Andrew was losing a child, but Daisy was losing her chance at being a big sister, which is something I wanted for her yeah. so much. And yeah, that was really hitting hard for me as well. So mm. yeah, she's just been adorable, absolutely beautiful. And it's so, so sweet to watch. And I think she'll be a beautiful big sister. Yeah. She did want a, a girl. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but she's getting a brother. <laughs> so the brother's going to be dressed up in the dresses yes, and makeup. I think and... so. I, I have no doubt that will happen. It's usually, what happened? She took it pretty well when we told her it was a boy. <laughs> no tantrum. Uh, no, thankfully, because I was a bit worried that she might be quite upset. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was fine. And yeah. yeah. She's so excited. She's completely on board. She wants to help change the nappies and and get involved. So it'll be interesting to see if oh, she uh, sure. follows through. I'm sure, you won't <laughs> knock back any no. help. That's for sure. It comes in handy. <laughs> So on to Daisy. So Daisy's a bit of a superstar. Obviously, <laughs> when anyone who follows you on socials, there's a yeah. lot of Daisy that pops up on there, there and all of her quirky little things that yes. she does. Um, does any, <laughs> what do you reckon is the funniest thing that she's ever done? What oh, comes to mind? Oh, she's hilarious all the time. She's, she is, but people don't see it so much. So mm. I try and capture as much of it as I can because she's only ever like that for us yep. so she's actually quite shy when she gets out and about with other people alter ego yeah, yeah she's brutally honest so it's been quite funny since discovering and, and learning more about uh, pregnancy that she pointed out someone in the supermarket the other day and she said mum do you reckon that man's got a baby in his belly oh no <laughs> she's just so honest yeah and was genuinely like thinking, oh, wow, that's lovely. He's got a baby in his yeah. belly. Yeah, Daisy <laughs> can him. think that, but you can't say it. <laughs> Filter. It's a very funny time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How very, old is she? Cute. So she's three and a half. Yeah. So we do 10 days before she turns four. Yep. So I think that'll be a good age. Beautiful yeah. age. What sort of big sister do you reckon she's going to be? Oh, I think she'll be good. I think she'll be very protective of yep. her little brother. And she wants to, she's a little teacher. So she wants to teach him the ropes and... She's already saying, I'll teach him how to do this and I'll teach him how to do that. She's obsessed at the moment with looking back at photos of her when she was a baby and she cracks herself up with all the funny things she used to do. So yeah. I think she'll teach him a lot. And she's got a brilliant little vocabulary for her yep. age. So hopefully this little bubble will follow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or she'll just speak for him. Did I see the other day that she gives you directions in the car to the tune of Frozen or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, that? yeah. She's, fro <laughs> she's frozen obsessed. Yeah. That was so funny. So she, was, she makes everything into a song. Yep. Just She can be walking around the house, just day-to-day -day activities, and she'll be narrating as she's going. 
<laughs> and most of it is to the tune of Let It Go from yeah. Frozen. So, she yeah. seems quite happy Frozen anyway. <laughs> All kids go through that stage, don't they? Absolutely. The, the Disney stage. They do. We're in it big time yeah, at the moment. It's a beautiful time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you're a stepmom as well, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got a big family and yeah. about to get bigger. So Daisy is a little sister already. So yeah. her big sister is 12 years older. So yeah. she'll be turning 17 in January. So yeah. it's a big extended family. So a little boy will be a bit of a game changer for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. A, a, I guess a, a dream that Andrew never... That Andrew's finally recognising that he thought he might not as well. So to have to have his little boy, not that it makes a difference. We just wanted a healthy baby, but yeah. he's um yeah I think he's quietly stoked. Yeah. Mix things up a bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> a few so different finally, angles. Finally, yeah, someone on my side. <laughs> yeah. So um, how do you go with um being a stepmother? Is that have, have its challenges for you, or is it something that you've adapted to pretty well? I imagine you yeah. you came into an instant family pretty quickly then. Yeah, that's right. And I think for me it was. It was something that wasn't even on my radar when I first moved to the coast. Uh, even starting a new relationship or, or settling down was just so far from from my thinking. I was so career driven, and I was just starting out in my career, and it wasn't really on my radar. But I think it took meeting Andrew and, and getting to know his family and and his life that probably made me recognise within myself that that settling down and having a family was actually something that I did yearn for. I just wasn't willing to admit it. And yeah, him having a a daughter was probably a really big part of that because I came into her life when when she was 10. And yeah, it's a very important role being a stepmom, especially to to a daughter. So we, I try really hard to still be a friend more than I am like a disciplinary figure to her. So Mm -hmm. I try not to... She's pretty good. I don't have to, we don't have to discipline her much at all. She's nearly <laughs> 17. Yeah, she yep. can do her own thing a bit now. But I've always tried to be someone she can talk to, to get advice kind of external from family yep. if she needs it. And yeah, and not tell her what to do as such. So mm. yeah, we've got a good relationship. And I grew up in a very mixed, complicated family that went off in all different directions with, with step and half siblings. So I can completely relate to what she's going through yeah. as well, which I think has has helped in understanding each other. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a difference because it can't be easy for them at first either. But yeah, yeah. for sure. I know yeah. it's it, it, it's a, a tricky situation to be in. My um, my wife's a, a stepmom, and I know that she has challenges with it. And there's also you know great rewards that come with yeah. it as well. So. Yeah. Shout out to all the stepmoms yes, out there. Absolutely, they do a great <laughs> job. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, so again, just back to the the radio. So, have you got any stories about? Um, obviously, I've got a story of one time when I was speaking to you. It was absolute train wreck, but, um, and you guys polished it up, and you wouldn't have even known. But have you got any stories about things that have sort of gone amiss in the in the studio, sort of mid sentence or mid interview, or anything like that? Oh, or? It happens all the time. It happens so often. That wow, you wouldn't know not, it. No, we're very good at covering up. That's yeah. that's something that we've really perfected over time and we've developed this like unspoken dialogue where we can talk to each other without words just using eye contact and hand gestures and we can explain what's going on even if we're live on air to each other off air and have a very different conversation so if we need to pad if we need to quickly fill in the gaps we we do pride ourselves on being pretty good at recovering yeah but there's always times phone lines are, are often the big problem yeah. going live in this day with someone. And age, yeah. Mobile. yeah yeah absolutely that just that doesn't seem to be getting any better i don't know why yeah uh 
need more towers. That, yeah, possibly. <laughs> in seven years, it really doesn't seem to be getting any better. But, yeah. Uh, we often have issues with that, and we haven't we haven't mucked up too badly in terms of what we've said on air. Thankfully, yeah. Plenty <laughs> There's have, lots haven't of, they? Yeah, plenty There's have. A lot of pressure plenty there. Plenty have. <laughs> we did. Lee likes to get a bit uh, technical at times, and one day he changed one of the fader panels in the studio so he he took it out and moved it to another one because we were having some problems with it i didn't even know that he was doing this wasn't paying any attention just saw him with the screwdriver and thought i know whatever (laughs) i'll let you go and what he ended up doing was something that even our technicians couldn't work out how he did this but somehow or other then when we were even off air we were picking up off air conversation was going to air really quietly underneath our ads i think it was only on one station so maybe only on bernie it made no sense until we actually worked out it was because he'd switched these faders around so we have never panicked so much because we knew that our off-air conversation had gone to air really quietly like under the ads and we had to go back and listen because we'd said all sorts of things in a very short space of time and it's less censorship off air i'd imagine yeah exactly And it's really hard when you realise that to go back and think, what did I just say? Because mm. when you're on air, you'll remember what you said. Mm. But off air, just chatting in the studio, mm. you could easily have said something highly offensive to anybody. <laughs> and we, yeah, freaked out big time. And wow. listeners were calling us and, and messaging us and saying, there's there's something going to air underneath the ads. We can hear, I think your mics are on. I'm like, they're not on. It's good that they've got your back mics up. Are not on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I now... I always panic if I think when I'm listening, you can pick up if someone's turned the mic on and I think, oh no, don't, don't yeah. do it. <laughs> There's so much room for error. And yeah. what we do is nearly always live. Yep. We don't pre-record too much. So yes, there is a lot of room for error. Yeah. You have to be very careful. Well, obviously you, you cover it up really well because I, I can't recall one time when I've picked up that something's gone wrong, apart oh, from when you were talking to me. But as I said, that came through flawlessly so yeah was... <laughs> and i don't really even remember that to be honest but... well just it, long story short i'd given you the wrong phone number to start off with yeah, so yeah. <laughs> i had to i had to ring into you guys because i was thinking why aren't they ringing me and then i looked at the email and i'd given you the wrong phone number i've rang in i remember lee's answered the phone for whatever reason it went straight through to to you guys yeah he picked up the phone and just launched straight into the interview <laughs> because obviously it was right on the time when we yeah, needed to air yeah. it and just started asking me questions and i was like a deer in the headlights <laughs> And then because the kids and I were sitting in the car listening to the radio waiting for you to call me, the Bluetooth in the cars kicked in. <laughs> so then you could, I could hear you, but oh, you couldn't hear no. me. So I quickly had to go through my settings and turn off the Bluetooth. That's hilarious. Anyway, typical rookie mistakes. But as I said, you guys, <laughs> you wouldn't know. And, and I think I sent you an email thanking you for being so professional because clearly I'm not. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> no, we would have been able to polish that up and make it sound amazing in You no did time. really well. <laughs> Um, what about um, celebrities that you have interviewed? Have you had any? Have you got any stories, good or bad, that stand out about anyone that you've interviewed that um, you know has been not what you thought they'd be, or they've been they've oh, exceeded your expectations? Had. They've been really nice, or yeah, there's been some that have been fantastic. Lots of big musicians. Musicians are normally pretty good, but sometimes you never know what you're going to get, especially early in the morning. Right, but it yep. can be like pulling teeth at times. Yeah. Or they can just blow you away and be amazing. So we did a Zoom interview only recently with Brandy, singer wow. from the from yep. the nineties. Yep. <laughs> I was a big fan back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and she was amazing. She was so, so nice and that was a brilliant interview. But then yeah, you just you also never know. Some people that I really admire, Sean McAuliffe was one 
who I was nervous to interview because he's just so sharp and so it's quick. very different, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, am I going to pick up on your humour if you're being serious or being sarcastic? And, and I couldn't. I was a, a fish out of water with that one. Yeah. Because he wasn't being serious, and I thought he was. <laughs> and, yeah, he was just, he's just too quick for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love his humour so much, but yeah. he was no match. I was no match for him. Yeah. Uh, so that was funny. Politicians are always interesting, and I'm getting a little bit more confident as time goes on with pushing back a bit against politicians because yep. I know how much people hate it when politicians don't answer questions and I'm starting to really admire journalists who can push them a little bit further and, and mm. say, you know, please, with respect, Prime Minister, can you, can you answer the question? Yeah, that's courageous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So we, yep. we did take Malcolm Turnbull to task a little bit once. Wow. That was good fun. <laughs> I remember being so nervous, though, because I was... Shoot for the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was on the phone from memory. I don't think we had him in the studio, but he was in Tassie for something or other. And bullying was quite big at the time. There was a lot of discussion about bullying and how we were needing to crack down on it in society yet we were seeing examples of it every day from our leaders and i think that was that was the topic that i kind of pushed with him because it was during a brad and by election and they were paying close attention to this electorate and yeah i never really got a proper answer out of him but i remember getting a message from our producer nathan at the time just saying that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> you go girl <laughs> so that was good fun yeah excellent <laughs> A um, couple of quick ones to finish off then. Who's been the biggest influence in your life, would you say? Oh, I don't know about influence. My dad's been my biggest supporter, for yep. sure, along the way, in just encouraging me to never settle for anything that that isn't love. So keep on striving to find that, that happiness, be it career happiness or just happiness in life in general. Um, yeah, he's definitely been been my biggest supporter along the way I think and still follows really closely what I do yep. and I know he's really proud of what I do yeah but other than that I've always just been so independent and just made my own little path and, and done my own thing yeah <laughs> um just speaking of that your path so if there was somebody out there like a young young girl or a young boy that wanted to get into radio what sort of advice would you give them what um, stepping stones would they need to take do you think yeah it's so different these days it's I think these days it's a lot easier to get yourself out there and for me, that was the big one. I, I didn't ever have to really apply for this job. It did come my way. So something Dad always used to say was like he believed in the law of attraction to put yourself out there and, and good vibes will come back your mm. way. And I do believe in just grasping every opportunity, creating your own opportunities and putting yourself out there as much as you possibly can. So social media can be bad, but I believe it's mostly good. If used correctly, it's yep. incredibly powerful. The best marketing tool out there. Absolutely. Get yourself out there as much as you can. And these days with technology as well, it's so much more accessible. You can set up a podcast in your garage. You can yeah. set up in your bedroom. You can set up a voiceover studio in your walk-in robe. Mm. You can do it via an app these days. It's not that expensive. Um, yeah, get amongst it as much as you can. And then yep. build those connections as well. So for me, it was... I look back and think, do I need my degree to do my job? Probably not. But would I change it? Definitely not. Because yep. for me, that was an amazing networking opportunity and a chance to put myself out there, learn as much as I possibly could. And every little job and every little stepping stone along the way has has led to me finding you know, my happy place. And, and so none of it 
would be a waste. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come no in. Worries. You're one of the select four people that have been on the oh, Talk Hard well. podcast. <laughs> no, we're very selective. <laughs> Don't take into account the fact that it's still in its infancy. It's, uh, we only get the best of the best on here, and you're definitely one of those. Oh, so. thanks for having me. Good fun. Absolutely. And as I say, for any young people that are, that are out there that are looking to, to get into radio, I think it's pretty insightful um, for them, you know, getting a few tips to, to get into it. And I want to congratulate you for, for speaking out about your journey over the last 12 months as well and I think you know more than anything that's even more important in helping you know families out there that are really struggling with with these things and I just want to wish you guys all the best for the next next 12 months which will be which will be very hectic (laughs) Um, and thank you for willing to to cover that topic as well because I think it is yeah it's it's pretty important that people do just become aware of it absolutely Hmm. take care thank you thanks Jess thank you to Jess for coming on the show and talking about her journey and for having the courage to open up to hopefully raise awareness on a battle that many families struggle through in silence. If anyone listening needs assistance with their own battles, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14, Men's Line on 1300 78 9978 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 Please don't forget to follow, like, leave us a rating and review and to those who have, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time.